Hello everybody, welcome to episode number 11 of Let's Talk Some. Really appreciate you taking time to tune in. It's been great over the last, um, what is it, eight weeks now, just uh, chatting, getting to speak to a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of fascinating people, inspiring people, people whom I never thought I'd talk to, people who I aim to chat to. Overall, man, it's been all good. Um, all positive vibes for you over here. A lot of exciting guests to come. Talking about guests, talking about exciting guests. We had a good guest this week, Dalton Pruitt. To many, he may just be Dalton Pruitt, but to many across America, he's a, an up-and-coming comedian, escaping the clutches of Denton, Texas, or that wee town in Texas that I'm not sure of the name, I can't pronounce it. He escaped um, a wee town in Texas anyway. And he now resides in Brooklyn, New York, and he's making a wave in an infantry cell across in New York, associating with the good folk over at Gas Digital. Not a bad bunch to be associating with, certainly in the comedy circle, so well done on that. We had a good wee chat, we chatted a lot of things, we chatted about escaping Texas, what it's like in New York now during Covid, being a comedian during the kind of pandemic, talking about the scene across in New York, the scene in Scotland, hopefully getting across to Edinburgh for the festival at some point, and he really puts it in a perspective about the, the kind of life of a comedian, certainly in these times, as well as no taking shit too seriously. He he understands the score and the basis that, you know what it is, it's kind of strike it lucky in any career, but in the comedy world, you've got to kind of work your way up from the trenches, through the ranks, and go through there pretty much. But good chat, great guest. Check out Dalton Pruitt if you've not heard of him. His name's uh, Salty Dalty. Type that into Instagram, you'll be able to catch what he's up to. Some disturbing photos on Instagram, but that's kind of what Instagram's for, so... Just take it for what it is. I got over it very quickly. I just uh, could never think about it if I was eating. Put it that way. That kind of gives you what you need to know about it. But check it out. This episode's going to be on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. going to be a video version on YouTube as well. So thanks again, everybody. Check out Let's Talk Some and check out Dot and Pruitt and enjoy episode 11. What's up, dude? How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. What have you been up to? How's your uh, 2020 been so far? We not to 2021. 2021? Uh, it's been okay. I mean, probably same as anyone else. I don't know. You're in Scotland, right? Yep. Uh, how, so what's the pandemic like over there? Y'all done? No, we're, um, we're kind of going in and out. I mean, I would say that we seem to be getting on the brink of what seems to be some kind of relief. It's like we're almost getting out of it, and then we're right back in it again. It's like you can kind of go, right, um, what's going maybe plan a holiday? What's going plan going to the shop? What's going plan having a meal? And just when you're kind of getting to that, they fucking close everything again. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it's like here. I'm, I'm in New York, and it's like yeah. we're in this weird limbo Cause it's not like we're locked down. Yeah. We can still go do stuff, I guess, but a lot of shit's just not open and they're always waffling on what you can and can't do. Like right. uh Valentine's weekend Cuomo, our governor, Andrew Cuomo yeah. was like, yeah, you can go eat indoors, but who knows how long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did go have some Korean barbecue with some friends, which was really nice. Nice one. Uh, but yeah, it's just weird because it's like we don't have any like definite answers. Like we have no idea when this is going to end. So it's just it's also snowing like crazy right now. So it is weird. But I mean, 2021, I guess, is shaping up to be better than 2020. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, the, the perception we got. So New York to us was basically pandemonium and body bags like when i mean body bags i mean that literally our media all we got all we got kind of 
the perception we got was that people was just dying all over the place and we were getting all these leaked pictures of people in body bags and people getting buried along like little sections in New York that were kind of isolated in that. So um, New York sounds like it's been fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, New York has been pretty crazy because like over the last how many years, I only moved out here like two and a half years ago, yeah. but before I got out here, the entire city was becoming more uh, gentrified and um, you were like a lot of bigger businesses were moving in that weren't here before. Yeah. Cause back in the day, New York never had like a McDonald's or a Burger King or a Target. No. And then when, when Bloomberg, like, I guess it started with Giuliani when these mayors started coming in who wanted to create, uh, make New York more for tourists rather than people who lived here. You started seeing like, the city getting cleaned up a little bit, big businesses moving in, all that. But then with the pandemic, all these rich people bailed, they left. Yeah. And now we're getting back to a dangerous, scary New York that just also happens to have McDonald's. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, I remember hearing about a lot about Giuliani. Giuliani kind of took Times Square from CD, prostitute ridden, dark pretty much the, the kind of Philadelphia Rocky movie kind of deal um, into the kind of tourist enterprise that it's become. But, I mean, is that the vibe you're getting then? So let's just say you're you're going to a comedy club. So what, you stay in Brooklyn. So um, if you're going to a comedy club like that in New York and stuff, is that is that still the same as what it would be a year ago? Or are you feeling a certain kind of change in the energy and stuff? Well, shit. I mean, none of the comedy clubs are open. Oh, I mean... shit. Of course, of course. Yeah, so I, I haven't been inside of a club in almost a year now. I remember right before uh, this was back when we all thought COVID was just like wait, wait, we, a, a glorified the, cold. Yeah, here in the states, we were like, all right, well, this is some bullshit. This will never come over here. Same. And I remember I was booked. I did a show at the New York Comedy Club in the East Village. They have two locations, and I was at the one in East Village. And I remember, like, making a comment, like, oh, yeah, this virus is bullshit. This isn't, this is going to go nowhere. Same, man. And then, like, the next day, Cuomo said, well, we're shutting the city down. <laughs> yeah, man, so, that's what it was like here. Same thing. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone thought it was ever going to go anywhere. I think you hear about these goofy viruses, you know, it's like, there's always like an article coming out like yeah we just discovered a new strain of the black plague and it's like whatever but i don't know this one ruined everyone's life <laughs> yeah it's completely it's kind of taken everything by storm i've i mean i've tried to forget about it as much as possible but um i've got a mum who it's, it's just like the fucking the kind of covid translator news reporter like every time there's been a death or something going on or anything within a kind of 20 mile radius or she's on to me texting me giving me a phone call and just kind of like pre-warning me about kind of watch yourself there's a lot of kind of death working about and stuff so um i can't escape it um it's hopefully going to get better um the optimism is completely gone now and i mean in terms of like career wise and that it's it's yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I mean, certainly in your field and stuff, it must be, you must be kind of shitting yourself in terms of what happens next. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, who knows? It, it, it feels like everything is like radically changed, yeah. probably forever. Yeah, I would and say so. Who knows? I mean, 2021, to answer your question, is like going as well as it can, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm still like, I'm itching to get back to what I actually do, which is comedy. Cause yeah. you know, when you have like a, whatever you want to call it, a purpose or like just something to take your mind off of everything. And that goes away. You start getting a little crazy. Yeah, man. No, that, that's, that's very much happening. You get a bit of fucking like cabin fever. So you hail from a place called Denton, Denton, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I grew I grew up in a really small town in Texas called Springtown. I don't know how familiar you are with America, but you know, in America, the the kind of benchmark for if a town is a town is if it has a Walmart. Yeah. Except for New York. 
uh and i grew up in a town that did not have a walmart we had to drive like half an hour to go to walmart so it was a really small like religious town like i was in i was in our uh my high school marching band and i remember before every football game we would uh we would pray we'd have a we'd have a little prayer (laughs) uh but yeah and where i like started to started comedy and kind of started to i don't know branch out was when i was going to college in denton texas which is like kind of a not a famous town but it's it's well known for um being kind of a like an artistic community no i was reading up what well when I say read up, I say I kind of skimmed. I skimmed parts about it, and it was talking about this kind of hustle and bustle in town. Um, music, the place is thriving. It's um, known for having perhaps the the most female students um, in the state or in the country. Like, it's got kind of some kind of accolades like that. It didn't seem like, um, and that's no disrespect, it didn't seem like it had um, much going in terms of, like, Austin and kind of Dallas and that. It seems to be... It's much smaller than all that. Is that eclipsed by places like that? Yeah, I mean, Denton is like a, um, it's a small town for sure. And it sort of models itself after Austin. Yeah. But it it's managed to retain a lot of the punk rock uh, nature that's kind of lost in Austin now. Because it's like, I, I think the, the harbinger of, of doom for Austin is like the fact that Big Tech is moving in. Joe Rogan just moved there. Yeah, man. Uh, and that's like, that's cool for them. They're going to survive, but that's going to demolish that city because most of the people that live there are broke as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Denton, everyone is broke, but no one famous. Actually, someone famous did try to take over that town. Do you know? Do you know Jason Lee? Oh, is that is that my name is Errol? Yeah, 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 yeah. He like bought when I was going to college. He bought like a farm out there, <laughs> and tried to start opening businesses and shit in the town. But the town was like, all the people there were like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> so I, I don't know if he still he 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 opened a bar there. I don't know if it's still open, but that was the closest that town ever came to getting taken over by a. Like a famous person. All the people is he kind of like held to high acclaim there. So I mean, I know that he was a he was a skate he was a pro skateboarder as well, was he? He's a pro skateboarder. Oh, he is. Oh. And then he started showing up in Kevin Smith movies. Oh. And then um, my name is Earl. I guess he's also famous for being a Scientologist. And then he tried to take over my college town, but then everybody said we can't afford it, <laughs> and so he left. So see, like, Scientology, for example. So see how you say that Denon's kind of like a Christian-based town? No, so, no, no, no. The town I grew up in, Springtown. Oh, Springtown, yeah. Yeah, Denton's more into, like, astrology and witchcraft, all the kind of shit you see here in Brooklyn. <laughs> so see, in terms of, like, getting into, like, comedy, for example, what? so if you're a fairly small town, like, that type of thing, so most people predominantly, I mean, you get the odd comedian who jumps into comedy they're from a kind of a wee long lost town and that but a lot of time we hear about it when they come from like capitals and they come from like areas that are just branches of like new york and all that so coming from where you are what got you into comedy um initially man i'll tell you it's funny because I, I i i hear a lot of comedians talk about how they were big comedy fans at an early age yeah i never gave a shit about stand-up like as a kid i would watch it it was like the scope of what i knew about was like the blue collar comedy tour gallagher maybe (laughs) like you know dumb shit i never like i never knew that comedians toured and worked on material and shit like that and uh when i was in high school like my what i wanted to do was be a musician but i was i'm bad at it you know, it's like, I don't understand talent, but I don't have a talent for that. Uh, but it was like, yeah, I was going to college in Denton. And I remember just browsing Netflix one day. And the um, 
Doug Stanhope special had just dropped the uh, beer hall putsch. And I didn't know who he was. I just recognized him. I don't know if you had these commercials where you are, but back in the day, Comedy Central would air the uh, the Girls Gone Wild commercials. And he was in them. He was like going up to college chicks and be like, show me where the milk is made. And that's how I recognized him. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this. I remember that guy. And that was that was kind of what inspired me to be like, because uh, I never thought I had like, a sense of humor that would translate to stand up, and then yeah. I saw him, and I was like, "Oh, damn! I you could do this!" And yeah, the next day I went to an open mic in my town. It was like, you know, Denton doesn't have comedy clubs, yeah. so this was a variety mic. This was like musicians, poets, whatever. Yeah. And I can't even. I couldn't tell you a single joke from that night. I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't hold on to my notebooks like other comedians. I've lost more jokes than I've ever told. <laughs> no, Joe um, Rogan and Kevin Smith and that. I'm sure I heard them talking on the podcast that like, they remember their first gig, the first night, the day, the time, the venue, everything. So it seems to be I've heard a lot of people who kind of remember that as well. But I mean, each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember it was like January of 2014, but. I don't know. I've never been too precious about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's always been, for me, it's just been like, just keep getting better, you know? Like, I, I, I don't, um, I, yeah, I, I don't think too much about the past. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Especially sure. starting where I started, where there's no clubs. So, and, and at that time, the town didn't, like, hadn't caught up with, uh, no smoking so every bar in Denton you could smoke in so I spent my nights living like it was like the seven like the 70s because I was going to bars filled with cigarette smoke just screaming at people who weren't listening to me trying to get them to pay attention and I would get laughs and I am grateful for that time because uh before I even stepped foot in a comedy club I had like built up some like a callus you know against everything because the audiences back then just they weren't even listening and then when i went into a comedy club and they were like paying attention i was like damn this is rocks this is cool no it's kind of tricky i mean that that atmosphere sounds mad um i had a wee experience with comedy once i'd done stand-up for like two days or something like that and i kind of had a transition for that once I was in a pub in a kind of trendy area and I was in the corner of the pub, they introduced me as a comedian, which I was not a comedian. I was just getting into it. And I remember standing in the corner shouting over to people as well and nobody was listening. And it's, I've got it on video and everything. And it's pretty ridiculous, actually. And then the next night I went into an actual comedy club, performed, went pretty well. Um, didn't seem to bomb or anything like that. It seemed to be really good, but it's a complete kind of contrast and... In your sense, I mean, you kind of worked from the trenches and you kind of worked your way up through the kind of nitty gritty to get where to where you've got to now. So yeah, you've got to be grateful for that. That's kind of makes you who you are. So you kind of know bad when you see it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I I I don't know. I feel like I'm uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm the. I try I try to stay humble about certain things, but I, I would say when it comes to audiences. I just have such a thick skin because I spent so much time performing for either little to no people or a bunch of people who were still uh, amped after the metal band that I'm following, you know, who are just, you know, so yeah, all that shit's cool. It's like, um, I, I understand when people say that they have a big fear of public speaking or when they say all this shit is tough, but I look at it like, I don't know. You're just going on stage and talking. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's hard, but it's also like a privileged position to be in. Yeah. When did did you first realize like, so you've done, so you've, you've kind of made a start. You've kind of decided that you want to go up there. You kind of like the idea of watching people, uh, Stan Hope, for example. So, for example, for talking about receptions, like when did you first realize you were funny? Whether it was you realizing it or whether 
um, you got a surprise and just the way that people reacted. Oh yeah. It, it was the first night. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I don't really remember any of the jokes I told, but I do yeah. remember I didn't bomb. Like I didn't suck. Cause I was going in thinking like, Oh, there's going to be other comedians here who are all, they've been doing it for a while. They're going to be better yeah. than me. And they, they were just like college kids, like artsy fartsy college kids who didn't really have a sense of humor and there was one other guy there who I liked, who I'm still like good friends with to this day. One of my best friends, Kevin. Mm-hmm. But I do remember when I went up, I like I did pretty well, and that was when and, and it just felt right. It just was like, you know, I never I had never thought about doing this, but I tried it, and I was like, oh, this feels pretty good. And that was yeah, I mean that was when I knew. So it's weird. It's it's one of those things like prior to doing it i never really thought about it and then once i did it i was like damn i love this i just like hooked so did you ever have you ever bombed then like could you kind of pinpoint a time where you felt that kind of fear on stage where it's like oh fuck that probably um didn't go down too well did you ever bomb oh i've bombed so many times yeah the first night went well for sure but since then i've had countless bombs that's just part of doing it you know and it's like um i don't let it get me down too much because yeah that's just part of like if you're gonna do comedy if you're gonna do this thing that requires you to uh experiment and work out in front of people it's not like you get to polish it off at home like if you're writing a song or painting it's just yeah it's just an occupational hazard (laughs) it's just what it is so yeah, I've bombed. Uh, at times early on, it was devastating, but nowadays, you know, it's just water off a duck's back. You know, it doesn't really bother me that much anymore. Just a, it's a chance to learn and get better. Mm-hmm. I suppose like be resilient. I mean, if you're bombing in that, perhaps it's maybe a form of material or a kind of kind of bit, a bit of stuff that you've kind of put across to them. But you can probably retaliate back to that now and then just with kind of experience. So it's a bomb, but um, you can kind of quit back to it. I can imagine it being like that. Yeah. 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 Is it, does, does Zoom have subtitles? <laughs> I have so much trouble understanding what you're saying. Does I talk, I talk about 400 mile an hour, mate? That's what yeah. it is. It's, uh, I don't think they've got subtitles, though, but um, I think it'd be good on some uh, occasions. We'll just need to slow it down in the edit. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm watching um, <laughs> Train Spotting before they redubbed it. <laughs> oh man, um, I'll talk very, very slow. No, 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 you're fine. But uh, yeah, the Scottish accent—that's a—it's a tough one to decipher. <laughs> Have you ever been? Have you ever been to Scotland? Yeah. No, I'd love to though. It looks—it yeah, looks man. really pretty. You'll have heard of the yeah. It's, it's very yeah. It's very green. It's just yeah. a, lot of, a lot of grass and a lot of just a lot of grass and a lot of cool scenic areas to go and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, no doubt, Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, no doubt you've you've probably ticked off your box to be getting down in it. Well, COVID. So perhaps oh, yeah. in the future you can maybe get down. But I mean, everybody's here. I mean, I don't know what you kind of hold like Jack Black and all that, but I know that like Robin Williams and. Um, everybody came across and done the circuit here so um, no doubt you would have heard about that for Scotland maybe back in the day as well and maybe put it as a potential target yeah I've, I I'm I know about Edinburgh I've heard yeah. I've heard about it um I still don't understand like uh European comedy because y'all seem to be more focused on like narrative and storytelling and uh, you know, I could be wrong, but it definitely feels more um, expository. Whereas here in America, it's um, there's definitely people who do that, but in New York, especially, it's more about just joke after joke after joke. Was and, it kind of like like so? For example, like what like uh, one-liners, like stuff like that, punchlines. Yeah, there's a lot of one-liners or bits, but yeah. they're not. It's never too for the most part it's never too sincere yeah whereas in edinburgh it seems like it's 
it's funny, but it's also, you know, like an essay. It's very sincere. Yeah, I mean that's. I I would say that that's the case as well. I mean, have you heard uh, like Frankie Boyle and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of his stuff? Do what? What do you think of his stuff? Oh, I've heard of him. I yeah. what, I I trying to remember who he is. Um, very Scottish, glasses, ginger hair, beard. Let's see. I'm looking him up. Yeah, yeah I've definitely Google. seen this guy, but I don't. I don't remember. I I know who he is. I just don't remember any of his material. Uh, he's um, he's perhaps one of the most controversial that we've got across here, just in terms of um, topic. There's no there's there's no filter in terms of like, you know how you get comedy. So they've got a certain niche in what they're doing. He kind of does what nobody else is doing because he kind of breaks all the kind of walls down and. Um, talks about stuff like disabilities and about terrorism and uh, about stuff that a lot of people are... I mean, I suppose comedians have all got different stances and agendas, but he kind of goes all out and he leaves nothing. He kind of goes through every fucking thing going. Yeah. I mean, that. yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I always appreciate when comics do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like I've listened to an al- his, one of his albums before, yeah. but it, it was years ago. You have so, uh, Jimmy Carr. Yeah, I know. Uh, of course, yeah, Jimmy Carr. Uh, he's really famous. Yeah, I know yeah. about him. Um, as far as Scotland goes, I mean, Billy Connolly's the dude. There I you mean, go, man. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, we would watch him. You know, on all of our talk shows over yeah. here. I I remember watching him as a kid, and he would show up with his banjo and <laughs> play some songs. I love that guy. So in terms of Texas, so like I've looked into Texas. I mean, of course, we've got Joe Rogan talking about Texas now and all that. The only other people that I really heard of in terms of Texas comedy, so Bill Hicks um, is probably the only name that comes to mind for me. In terms of influence, so even though you you did watch comedy, was there anybody that you can go, right, um, I could say that through watching them, the way that they've kind of composed themselves, the way that they've kind of acted on stage and that, and the way that their jokes come across. Is there anybody that did influence you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I would say, like, I, I, you know, I definitely watched comedy. I was never too well-versed in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Mitch Hedberg, for sure. Um, David Tell. Uh, as I as I got into my twenties, I would say Patrice O'Neill yeah. was a big one for me. Um, Louis, of course, Louis C.K. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely people that influenced me and kind of informed how I would go about writing jokes, and definitely, I you know, I copied them a lot, like mannerisms or the way I would speak on stage. Mm-hmm or even write a joke, but uh, that's just part, you know, anything you do creatively, you copy a lot at first, and then you find who you really are. Yeah. So see, when you're writing a joke, like, um, and, and I've seen a lot of people who just kind of improvise on the spot. You've seen how they kind of do the whole writing on a napkin type thing. Do you have any kind of strategy to it in terms of do you write it down, rehearse it, kind of get the time and just write, or is it not really a structured design? It's all over the place for me, yeah. you know. Like I I try to, you know, I keep a journal when I remember to actually do it. I try to write. Um I also just kind of riff a lot, like just go on stage and improvise. Uh it yeah, it just depends. Like if if I have like if I'm just sitting in my room staring at the ceiling and I have a moment of inspiration, I'll, like, grab a pen and write yeah. something down. Um, and then there's other times when I force myself to write. Like, if I have, like if my head is just empty, I'll just start writing until I come up with something. And then other times I just go on stage and riff something out. So it's just, just depends. Like, I, I don't think, you know, it's, there's no, it's not a science. So... Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, um, however I'm feeling, I guess. <laughs> well, when I've always looked at, um, comedians in terms of like, if we're doing a comparison between them and musicians, we know that 
in in the sense they both perform, they both got a crowd, they both got an audience, but in the way that they kind of construct the performance in that. So when I'm looking at a musician, um, I've done music more than I've done comedy, but um, musicians with sprinkling the odd song here and there, new song, they've kind of predominantly, they've got a set list. So it's like they're playing the same 12 songs and they just need to rehearse that with a couple of extra. For me, comedy's always appeared harder because I don't know, do you need to kind of run about and change your set list every time you do a show or do you just kind of take the same set list from different town to different town and just kind of mix it up in your own accord? Uh, well, first off, I don't really tour. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, figuring how, how yeah. to do that. Uh, but as far as a set goes, it just depends. I've worked at clubs back home, and the club wants you to be very tight. They want you to come in, do your job, yeah. and then they pay you. And in those moments, it's like, yes, I need a set list. But any other show or open mic – I go in much more loose uh, because that's how I, you know, I want to have fun. I do comedy because I'm selfish and I'm a narcissist and I want to have a good time. You know, I want the audience to have a good time, but more than anything, I just want to, I want to have fun on stage. And that means saying whatever I want to say. And if I have the opportunity, I'll just, yeah, I'll mix it up. I'll try new shit, uh, experiment, explore. You know, you you know, you talked about music. I would say um, I'm very in influenced by music. Uh, I, I don't know if I would say more so than comedy, but there there's definitely like um, musicians like uh, like Buzzo, like King Buzzo, yeah, and yeah. the rest of the Melvins, where there's no consistency other than their music rocks, but. You know, if you listen to an album like Bullhead and then listen to an album like A Senile Animal, it's like, damn, they are, you know, they're always changing. And that that's shit that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I never want to be like um, in in just one corner all the time. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I mean, certainly for growth and kind of keeping people interested, because I suppose that um, if you're playing the same shit all the time and saying the same shit, it's, it's like it's like any, any, it becomes a bit too routinized and you yourself gets bored with it, never mind like audience and stuff as well. So um, New York, so what brought New York on? Was that um, based upon employment, education, or was that kind of like from where you came from? Was that like, right, New York's the place to go, that's where... Um, comedy seems to still be kind of going on the up. That's where people's interest are going in the field of comedy. Oh, dude, I, I'm more than anything. I just wanted to get the fuck out of Texas. Yeah, I man. mean, I love <laughs> Texas. I grew up there. You know, if if anyone talks shit about Whataburger, I get upset. You know, recently I saw Tim Dillon uh, going on a tirade against Whataburger, and I was like, "You're losing me, dude." Uh, but. I grew up there. It's just all familiar. It, it was, I, I'd, I'd seen what I wanted to see there. And I wanted to just, I don't know, go on an adventure, dude, explore. Yeah. And New York always seems so romantic to me because it's not like LA. Cause like when you're doing comedy, the question is always LA or New York, you know? And LA always seemed like this very, almost pristine like em- like the emerald city in the wizard of oz it's just yeah. this very uh clean pristine city that's also kind of fake or whatever new york always had like a very um grimy gritty feel to it it's like yeah i know it's gonna suck but this is like i don't know it always seemed like romantic to come into a city and suffer mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I don't uh, know. that's how it comes across. New York. Yeah, and also the comics I like all came out of New York. You know, I, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of like Patrice and Attell and Chappelle, all these guys, and they all made their bones in New York. Yeah, and that you know, so uh, I, I would say just the the mythology of New York plus the people I like. I was like, I gotta go out there. And I moved out here sight unseen. I never even visited. 
and just came well, out. Really, it just came out just like just like the kind of first off, first yeah. time. Yeah, I knew nothing about the neighborhood I first moved to. When I first moved out here, I lived in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, which parts of it are nice. The part I lived in was uh, awful. It was a very murdery. Yeah, it it was a very like poverty stricken, uh, violent, you know, shitty part of Crown Heights. Also far from everything. Yeah. The way the trains are set up in New York, they're they're all they all funnel in to Manhattan and Crown Heights is like deep in Brooklyn, so it just makes it hard to get anywhere. Yeah, no. Yeah, I've been to Brooklyn. I've seen nice parts of it, but yeah, there's, there's certain parts there's that kind of uneasy vibe in that. So I can't even imagine um, staying there in that area. I'm sure I've heard um, that's where like Jay Z and everything was from. I'm not quite sure, but um, it definitely doesn't sound too good, man. So, what would you say in terms of comedy, in terms of kind of reflection? What's been the best moment so far in terms of your career at this stage? Oh. um I, you know, as much as I love performing and actually doing comedy, it that's like weirdly such a small part of it. Yeah. Cause it's especially when you're doing open mics, you, you know, like out here, you get on a train, it's an hour train ride to go to an open mic. And then you get there and you wait for like two hours to do your five minutes or whatever. And I love that. You know, I love performing, but I would say the best experiences are meeting other comedians like-minded people and you know making you know becoming friends with them and hanging out dude it's like back in texas my favorite memories of comedy out um second to or you know besides doing shows were just like after a show going to a whataburger and just talking shit for four hours you know and it's like that out here it's like you hang out you go to an open mic all you and your buddies all bitch and moan because it's like oh how long do we gotta wait to go on stage you all go up some people do well some bomb and then after you go to a diner and have some pancakes and just talk shit so i would say talking shit is is, those are my favorite memories yeah it sounds good man i mean that's that's what it's all about in a sense when you kind of portray it like that it doesn't sound like um, I know we're all trying to get someone out of life, we're enjoying it, and we're trying not to look at someone and have it deemed as work. So that sounds like a kind of good hangout and um, keeping you away from that, that kind of shit nine to five kind of thing as well. Yeah, I mean, that that's something I have to remind myself of, like, because I, I do comedy, but it's not, as of right now, it's not how I make my living. It's, it's my passion, but yeah. it ain't paying my bills. Yeah. And but it's also like that's not why I got into it. Like success is whatever. It's so ethereal. There's no uh, real rhyme or reason for why anyone succeeds. There's definitely. Uh, I'm sure you could break it down, break the equation down into like talent plus hard work, whatever. But at the end of the day, what it's all about for me is just having a good time, making friends, hanging out. Yeah. You know, like. I, I can't hang out with regular people, <laughs> you know, like when I, when I say the shit that I, that's in my head, the hornet's nest of awful shit that goes on in front of other people, they go, what the fuck is wrong with you? But when I'm hanging out with other comedians, we just have a good time. So it's like, yeah, comedy is hard. It's a, it's a tough thing to want to do and you suffer a lot pursuing it, but I find it very rewarding. Yeah. I, th- I think it makes when you grow up in a, when you live in a, um, like a very first world country or whatever you want to call it, uh, a more developed country where life is very comfortable. I think having this thing that brings you immense suffering, but also a lot of joy is very good. No, I think so. I agree. It's, it's, it sounds like you're, you're living it on your terms to that extent you've got to kind of keep stuff on the side to kind of get there but um what you're doing is allowing you to get a bit more free time to kind of fulfill and fuel your passion which is what you need to do unfortunately to kind of get to that 
or that pinnacle of where you're trying to go with that. So see, like somebody who's wanting to get into comedy. So um, as you said, you're not at the stage where you're touring extensively kind of across the country and that. Um, like, say a comedian came up and went, hey, Dalton, I want to get into comedy. I've done a couple of little open mics. I've seen that you're kind of dependent on your level. Like you're, you're not kind of at the ground because I've seen that you've been able to associate with a lot of good people and a lot of good comedians and kind of characters, like a lot of people at Gas Digital and stuff like that. So what would you say um, in terms of advice to anybody who was trying to get into that? How would they be able to stick at it and kind of have the same resilience and kind of viewpoint as yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say it's, it's a labor of love. You know, if you're uh always if you're like comparing yourself to other people or wondering when is this going to happen when's that going to happen how much work do i have to do you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy if you if you want to do anything if you want to pursue any dream especially something creative it has to it just has to be because you like doing it because there's no certainty it's all uncertain it could go nowhere and i've made my peace with that you know but along with that it's like i look at my life it's like i'm living in new york which is a city i've always wanted to live in i have great friends um i i i kind of enjoy it and it's like yeah if i never go anywhere beyond this it's fine so i would say if you're gonna do comedy be okay with just never succeeding and then if you succeed at all it feels great yeah i never thought i'd be you know, as small time as it is, it, I never thought I'd be in like a studio with Lewis and all them. Yeah. You know, and you know the the best uh, Nazi comedians on the planet. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like yeah, definitely. It's it's like when you go to a restaurant. If you have high expectations, you're gonna be disappointed because it's like the waiter's gonna fuck something up or your food's gonna whatever but if you go in and you're just like i'm hungry and i want food you're gonna have a good time <laughs> and that's kind of what comedy's like no that's it. a lot of people kind of i mean i'm the same in terms of like i'm doing this because i enjoy it i love doing it i've not got like high high expectations i think when people set the bar too high it kind of they kind of they're coming for a rude awakening because if anybody knows to kind of make it it's a very very small window, and it's a lot of a lot of grafting and a lot of chance and a lot of luck. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a lot of just chance and luck. I would say yeah. talent factors into it, but so much of it is just blind luck. It's just the un just a chaotic universe. <laughs> no, for sure, man. So what you got planned? Twenty twenty one. So. Lockdown, pandemic, no shows. Have you got any virtual shows planned, anything like that? Yeah, I got, well, I do actually have a live show tomorrow. Oh, brilliant, you? Yeah, it's at my friend's backyard, and then to get ready for that, I got to, I'm going to do a little open mic after this on Zoom to brush up, because I haven't done stand-up in a while. Um, And, yeah, as far as this year goes, it's like, just... I'm going to keep doing my podcast, try to build that, keep going on other people's podcasts. I think we're all go we're all going on a real ass podcast in the next few weeks. Um, and more than anything, I just try to stay sane. Like, you know, this, this pandemic has been a nightmare for everybody and it's really tested us. And I just don't want to go crazy because I've definitely found myself living like um, almost like William Faulkner or Hemingway, just drinking myself to death. So I would like to cut back on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, I'm surprised that I didn't just completely go crazy. <laughs> Cause when, when this all kicked off last March, I was like, I'm not going to survive. I was like, I'll be dead soon. Uh, but, you know, you adapt and then move forward. So, I don't know, 2021, move forward. <laughs> no, man, that's sub can do. Um, as optimistic as we can be. 
it doesn't look very promising. I'll say that. No, it doesn't. Especially like <laughs> I'm from Texas and I got a bunch of friends and family down there. I, I don't know if you see what's going on right now. It did, it did actually, yeah. So what is it? Electricity, isn't it? And water, is that right? You what? So what of electricity and kind of water issues, if I'm right? Oh yeah, the cities get like, yeah, most of that. the state is getting fucked right now because yeah, man, they've never had a, a a blizzard like this, and it just shut the entire state down. I got friends and family out there who haven't had like you know any power or water for almost a week. The senator just flew to Mexico, <laughs> Ted Cruz. It's what like they do, man, that's what they do. Golf yeah, and which and cruises and holidays. Which, which, by the way, that is upsetting. Also hilarious. <laughs> so that's so funny that he's it's like, get the fuck out of here. So predictable. It's, it's if they didn't do that, you'd be wondering because they're not living up to that kind of quintessential way that the fucking politicians live, and totally rip off the the community and the locals that they so fucking so highly regard and make promises and pledges to, but. Um, yeah, I'm sounding like I'm fucking hating politics just now, but yeah, it sounds overall very horrible and very sad as well. Like, yeah, I mean, everything it, it's funny, it's like it, everything is crumbling around us, especially here in America. It's like we're learning. I don't know how anyone here can think that any politician has their interests at heart, maybe Bernie, but. It's like the way people were telling me, you have to vote for Biden. And I was like, all right. And I did. And then he's in office. And it's like, this motherfucker is just the same as Bush and any of these guys. It's like, clearly these people don't care. And it's like, whatever. There's nothing we could do about it. All we have is each other. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the only hope I have going forward is like, we all realize like we can't keep fighting with each other, you know? It's like as frustrating as it is when I see another person, like when someone disagrees with me and scolds me or whatever, it's like, well, it's still us versus them, you know? (laughs) Always. Yeah, I mean, that's it. The UK is actually obsessed with American politics. Like we, we obsess over it. I mean, well, I, I'm a casual observer of it, but the UK is obsessed. Like um, the UK completely hate Trump and uh, love Biden as well, but um, I don't quite get that. It's, but Bernie's the most popular in terms of the way that he seems to be a man of the people and all that. But um, yeah, America's a scary scene. America, certainly who you've got in charge. And um, I think that Harris is probably going to take over. I think, I mean, Biden, surely he's not got too, too much longer left. Surely not. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's also but, like people, so many people act like surprised by all this. And it's like yeah. when you look at the history of American imperialism, in the just the rotten shit our country has done over the years, our government. It's like this is the logical conclusion to all of that. You don't you don't get away with um staging coups and selling weapons to the Mujahideen. Like all the crazy shit we've done, that can only last so long before it all just falls apart. So it sucks, but I'm also just like, well, this was gonna happen. Oh man. No surprise, mate. See that job you were telling me about? Is that real? Wait, what? Your job, your job about the what was it? The, ch- the children's fucking oh, coffee. that's that's bullshit, is it? No, well, no, I don't. I don't really talk about that a lot uh, yeah. or ever because it's like it's so wildly different from yeah. what I do outside of that job. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. Uh, work for a very progressive clothing company for for children. <laughs> awesome, man. No, that's cool. I was just wondering. I was thinking it was possibly just to remake it up, but no, that's cool. You got to do what you got to do. Um, we've all got a graft and all these different things to kind of fulfil what we're doing, man. So that's brilliant, man. Where can listeners of Scotland and all over Europe find your stuff and your podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. My podcast is called The Loud Boys. Um, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and you can follow us on all social media at loud boys pod. If you want to follow me directly, my Twitter is at new Dalton 69, 420. 
and my Instagram is at salty dalty 69420. Uh, I created both of those before I started doing comedy and did not know I'd ever have to promote them. <laughs> oh, man. It's catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit of branding, the, the 69420, but... <laughs> Uh, more than anything, yeah, just listen to our podcast, you know, that's, that's kind of our, uh, me, Robbie and Joe's baby right now. Cause it's, it's, it, you know, it's been good to us. Yeah. No, man, I'll share the hell out of it. Share it all over the place. Social media, Scotland loves a bit of comedy. The thing about Scotland is that we're very kind of open. Like we, we don't just kind of stick to our roots in terms of, Oh, Billy Connolly, Frankie Boyle and all that. We're kind of open. We like a lot of American comedy. So I'll definitely um, share it with friends, family, and people all over the country, man. That'll be good. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I was I was just talking to some friends about Scotland earlier, dude. I don't know if you read comic books at all, but... Um, no. Never, my, never. Oh, one of the greatest comic book writers of all time is from Glasgow. His, uh, his name is Grant Morrison. I've heard, uh, I've heard of him. I'm sure I've heard they, like that Mike Harton and everything talking about him. I'm sure. Yeah, he he writes a lot of like he's big into psychedelics back in the day. So he lots <laughs> he writes a lot of trippy shit. But yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that, like, because uh, back in the late '80s, early '90s, there was a new, there was like a British invasion of comic books here in yeah. America, and he was part of that. I know Scotland's not in Britain, but. I guess a UK invasion. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with with your country. <laughs> no, you need to get across, man. It's good. Like I said, hopefully all this shit goes away. You can come across. You'll enjoy Edinburgh. Um, didn't come to Dundee. Dundee's where I'm from. It's no got much going at all. Stay in Edinburgh or Glasgow. Um, that's your best bet, certainly in the, in the sense of comedy. But I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, dude. I know we had some trouble scheduling this and making it happen, but Aye. we've been friendly online. You're a cool, dude. Yeah, same, uh, man. I, I've been doing my best to read your lips and figure out what you're saying. <laughs> well done. Yeah, no, dude. No, this is great, dude. This was a good interview. You're you're um you actually ask questions. It's not just us having awkward <laughs> silences <laughs> Mate, i try to i try to keep it kind of because i'm i can get too carried away i kind of like to be a bit level-headed a bit grounded because i can get too carried away and start speaking absolute shit so i try and keep myself kind of locked in as much as possible when it comes to um keeping the questions keeping them at a good pace but no it's awesome man and yeah finally we got this done um the last time we were arranging it i was typing away to you and then i fell asleep and that was uh just fucking typical <laughs> yeah yeah no i buddy i i i've done that so many times <laughs> where i was supposed to somebody was coming over or i was supposed to do something with someone i just passed out and woke up funny. to like 15 texts from them so no worries there brother no thank you very much good sport man but um all the best um good luck with your zoom show tonight and hopefully we'll see you across here at some point when all this shit goes to fuck yeah, yeah, and I, I'd be happy to do the show again if you ever just want to talk shit, dude. Yeah, man, we'll definitely get it arranged. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just hit me up anytime. Not a problem, Dalton. Take it easy, man. Right, thanks again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, bye. See you later, buddy. <laughs>